Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Oh, thanks, Kevin. So I'm good to have you to here. here. <laughs> Steve, Steve has been a incredibly good friend of both Mike Lyon and I for a long time. In fact, we'll talk about your origin story and how you got in the business over the course of the show. But let's just start with how long have you known Mike Lyon? And <laughs> what's the most interesting thing you've ever done with him? Because I've heard stories of different outdoor activities and events and things that you have done together. But you lead a fascinating life. I hope I can come back as you one day. Um, <laughs> well, well, thank you. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'll, I'll take it as a good. Oh, that's and a good I, thing. Yeah. And I can tell you the first time I met Mike Lyon was actually at a very small builder show up in Los Angeles or the Southern California Building Industry Association. And he just popped by my booth and we got to chatting and instantly became friends. We're both tech nerds. So it worked out quite well that the year, don't quote me on it, but it had to have been right around, oh gosh, 2003, 2004. Wow. Um, it was a long, long time ago. And he may have been in high school back then. I can't recall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. And then the activity, because I think you're a mountain biker. You're I a fisherman. I do not what? fish. No, um, but I definitely mountain bike. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought he'd fly. I thought I remembered a fly fishing story with you and him. I don't know that I have ever fished with him, but I, okay. I, I do like to fly fish. I don't do it often. I, as you can tell, someone that likes mountain biking is a bit of an adrenaline junkie and fishing is the opposite. <laughs> the opposite of that, right? <laughs> At least for me. Yeah. For others, I know it can be. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Steve, how did Focus 360 come to be? And uh, I guess first we should just clarify what your organization does and, and who it does it for. Uh, sure. Let's start there. So technically, Focus 360 falls in that architectural visualization business. We're in the uh, business of creating images that help home buyers better understand architectural designs long before they're built. And we do that on multiple levels from helping uh, cities understand plans uh, that a builder might bring to them, uh, with the images and videos for them. Uh, through master plan development, uh, helping to uh, communicate uh, the vision of a developer, including things like clubhouses, parks, entryways, boulevards, et cetera, down to individual homes, which is really our bread and butter, doing virtual model homes, renderings of exteriors, and then all the tools that support those images, like interactive floor plans and site plans. So our goal is to help grease the communication between the builder's designs and a consumer, both on-site and online. And I started this company in 1989 when I was about seven years old. Wow. Uh, I wish I was seven then. <laughs> and, and the impetus for the, the company was back then I was working for an architect doing 3D imagery. You can imagine that back in the 80s, it was all wireframe still images and whatnot to help our restaurant and hotel customers better understand our designs. So way in advance, uh, CAD hadn't even really been adopted at that time. And the story goes that my wife, Christy, and I were shopping for a home, walked into a sales trailer where they were trying to sell homes off of blueprints. And I had the entrepreneurial light bulb go on, which was, why aren't they using 3D CAD to help buyers understand these designs? And uh, I prototyped 
interactive system over the next three or six months, uh, showed it to a few builders. And you know, here we are 30 years later, it's an overnight success. And a success because, and, and I don't say these kind of things lightly at all, the quality of the work that you guys produce is unrivaled. And I know there's lots of people who believe and, and they have made progress, right? But you just keep pushing the limit. Indeed. If, and I don't know what to attribute that to. Is, is that your eye and your background? Is, you, is it your proximity to Southern California? And what is that? What, what, where does that come that. from? It's, uh, it's a little bit of both. You know, from the very, very beginning, we've always been on the, the threshold of new technology adoption that we just had to. It's just part of our business. And in some cases, it's a great thing. In others, it's a, it's a terrible thing because the amount of money we have to pour in to uh, new technology adoption and, and trying to find the best tools to help us look, uh, help our images look better is not an inexpensive endeavor. But from the very beginning, the goal is to ensure that the consumer can better understand the homes that they're looking to buy. And I wanted to remove the, what would you describe? I guess I wanted to remove the cartoon-like feel of early CGI computer-generated yeah. imagery so that they weren't focused on, oh yeah, that's art and I wonder what it will really look like to, oh, I can see that's a picture of a home and I can picture myself being in that home. So we've always pushed really, really hard towards realism to the point where we spend more hours uh, creating our, our artwork than most of our competitors, which if you talk to anyone that knows Focus 360 as a brand, we'll say, they're the best, but they also charge for it. And, and we charge for it because we spend more time to do yeah, it. Yeah, because there's humans doing work. <laughs> there's humans doing artwork. And our team, our artists, for example, meet daily to review. They call them dailies. They review all the art before it even goes out the door. That's another movie term, by the way. It's another movie term. Exactly. A lot of Hollywood influence in, in our company and, and gaming influence as well. And just to make sure the art is as good as it can be within the budgets that we're, we're given. And so, yeah, clean, beautiful artwork has always been part of our DNA. And the second thing I'd say is that ease of use has always been part of our DNA. We don't look to be super sophisticated in our interactivity from a consumer standpoint. We want to make it as simple as possible so the tools get used. But having said that, under the hood, it's super complex. So, yeah, uh, simplicity and realism have really been uh, two of the key pillars for our company since we started. Yeah, because everyone has access if they want to invest the time, energy, and money that you do, mm -hmm. anyone could more or less, and that's part of the challenge, or, or I would say problem actually in the industry mm -hmm. is I probably get a call from someone or an email from someone every week who's like, I do renderings. And you look at their profile on LinkedIn or wherever, and, and there's one or two employees yeah. and they're in a country that I've never heard of. And you're like, okay, but, but then you look at the work that's produced with again, what may be similar tools in some cases, it's night and day. And, and so why, why so many humans, why are so many humans still necessary in oh, your that's opinion? A great question. Yeah, it's a great question. Well, first of all, you need to understand that the barrier to entry into a business like ours is rather low. You can be an architectural student with some 3D CAD software and produce renderings. Um, the challenge is to, to reproduce them consistently and scale, scale them to where you can produce them for multiple builders at, at multiple times and continue to hit the same level of realism at uh -huh. scale. And then again, also to put those images into formats that allow a consumer to easily digest them through interactive tours uh, like our Pivot VR. Yeah, and that's not a small thing either because 
time. And I use Matterport as my example. There was a builder that we went to go visit in Tennessee, mm-hmm. on-site visit, and they had done over, gosh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Matterport tours over the course wow. of a year and a half, two years. Every house they built, they did a Matterport tour of for years. Wow. And it's on the wall and they have these big screen TVs and owners tell me how they use it all the time and everything's great about it. And then uh, he had to take a phone call and ask the salesperson. I'm like, so how, how do you use this with customers? Oh, wait, I don't do that. Tell, tell me more. <laughs> Why don't you do that? Well, they don't even really, I mean, they look at it and they don't understand it. The shoebox view that everyone gets all excited about. Wow. Isn't that cool? Half my customers look at it and say, you exploded the house. What's wrong with you? That's distorted and ugly and weird and strange. And they, they didn't play video games. And so they don't understand how to navigate it. And just even something as simple as a Matterport thought has to be put into the interface. I I actually, I showed my wife, one of your, I'm going to use air quotes. Everyone can't see me competitors. And I showed them, I showed her the site and it was a design and build tool. And she used it for the website for a minute and a half and couldn't even find how to begin using the tool. Oh no. And so it's just, it's death by a thousand cuts. And that that's something that a human has to put thought into because computers just run math and code. Exactly right. And in a lot of companies, a lot of our competitors like to add buttons and tools to their interactive uh, floor plans, for example, because you can. I can add 400 buttons to the interface of our interactive floor plan to do a myriad of things. Wait, so you're choosing not to add buttons. But we're choosing not to. And because we want to make sure there are enough buttons to uh, use and and have have it be yeah. functional so yeah. that the consumer can get to an end decision with that home, as opposed to confusing them with a UI that looks like a CAD system. So renderings both still and interactive and, and you do fantastic. I mean, if you have time, just go watch some of the videos even that Steve and his team have produced incredible, incredible work. Thank you. you mentioned pivot VR and then we need to talk about next as well. So, so I guess maybe this is just the lead in of what, if someone is aware of focus 360, but hasn't paid real close attention in the last year, year and a half, what, what are some of the newer things that your team is up to? Wow, uh, great question. Yeah, our R&D team uh, has grown quite a bit and continues to invest in enhancements and uh, additional features to all of our toolkits, including Pivot VR. Um, but next is our platform, basically, now that um, supports both interactive floor plans, interactive site maps, uh, interactive vicinity maps. You can plug in our designer app for design centers. You can plug in our um, Pivot VR tours, our, our video tours, all of our still imagery. Uh, it supports structural options, finish options, et cetera. So it's basically a, a brand new platform. It's, it's just been recently rebuilt using modern a modern tech stack, which what that means to our, our consumers, our builders, is that it's, it can grow with you. It's not something that's going to be outdated tomorrow as technology often becomes outdated. So it's using serverless technologies and all those fun things. And the beauty of the system is it's, it's both plugins for an existing website. So if a builder has a website and they just want to add interactive floor plans, we'll give them modules that they can place into their website. And it, it literally looks like it's part of their website. It's not a pop-up. It's not an add-in. It literally looks like it's part of their website. It can match their fonts, their colors, et cetera. It's all Ooh, that's uh, cool. to be congruent. Yeah. 
Um, and same thing for the sites and the vicinity maps. Uh, but those same toolkits um, are also part of our kiosk apps. And the kiosk apps are what you might play on your big screen in your sales center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as things are changed, and this happens frequently, as we all know, a floor plan gets updated, a new window is put in or a door is moved. Um, it's changed in one location in the cloud and automatically dispersed to the builder's website, to the kiosks, to their tablet apps, so that all their content is always up to date. There's never one piece that's out of date since it's all tied to the next platform. Yeah, that's really interesting or people might find interesting. I'm going to go back to what you mentioned about font matching and mm-hmm. color. That's part of the reason when I was watching my wife use this other tool, she just, it's like, well, I didn't even realize that was part of the interactivity because it was, it looks so different from yeah. the rest of the site. Yeah. And that's most of our competitors. They've done a great job in building these big platforms for interactivity, but in doing so, they've kind of painted themselves into a corner to be almost like a, a separate app. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to build their site, you click the link for interactive floor plan, it might pop up to a different tab. It doesn't resemble the website you just came from. It yeah. may have the builder's color or a logo, but everything else looks a little bit different. And unfortunately, that kind of derails that consumer experience like your wife experienced when she was using that tool versus our approach. Again, keeping that simple approach integrated into the builder's site, it just looks like it's part of the builder's site. And uh, whatever colors and fonts we use on the builder website, um, they can be uh, designed to match that the website, but whatever is in a kiosk can be designed to match the community site. So they can actually be mm. one another or they can be consistent. Uh, so there, there are a lot of options in the next platform. That's fantastic. So wh- what are the, I'm always curious because you, we talk to a lot of the same people around the country. What are some of the objections or hurdles that builders still bring to you that that kind of make you scratch your head or or that you've found someone who has found a better way to get over them that's a long complicated way just to say it always strikes me when i hear consistent objections one of the ones right now as the market's getting tougher is that some builders are saying i don't have the team to market one home at a time my my marketing structure of our department as the company ballooned Mm-hmm. And now we do two or three times the number of homes per year mm-hmm. is not designed to go back to a house by house. Let's market this one, sell it, then go the next one, sell it, which is necessary. And sometimes in this market. Um, mm-hmm. And so I have to help them think through that and point them to people who have figured out ways to make that happen. Is there anything that either you're just surprised still is, is hanging around from like 10, 15 years ago or, that's a great question. And, and I'll tell you, had we done this, you know, two and a half years ago, I'd have a different answer. Oh, interesting. But the pandemic turned, let me rephrase it. The pandemic fast forwarded the adoption of technology, as we all know. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many phone calls we had with new builders that said, for instance, we've had virtual model homes on our list of things to start doing, but they've never made their way to the top of the list until now because they were forced, as we all know, to sell virtually. Mm-hmm. And once they started, it, it's almost like video conferencing, right? We, you and I, uh, being the, the techie nerds that we are, have been video conferencing for you know over a decade, but we rarely video conference with our builder clients, right? 99% of our meetings now are video conferencing with our clients. So that tech adoption is very similar to the tech adoption that we've seen with both the virtual models, the interactive floor plans, Interactive sitemaps, we had one large builder client 
who refused to do interactive sitemaps on their websites because they wanted buyers to come to the sales center that was <laughs> available. And once the pandemic hit, within two months, we had every one of their neighborhoods online with interactive sitemaps. You know, one of the other silver linings to the pandemic was it was long enough. It was more than 30 days or 90 days to adopt a habit to where it became part of their business. So now it's standard issue for each new community that they get interactive floor plans, interactive sitemaps, even virtual models. I'm actually surprised to see how many of our builder clients are doing virtual models for every home. It's becoming kind of the default alternative to Matterport because Matterport Mm -hmm. has to wait until a physical model is done. And not all of our clients are building models of every plan. In fact, most of them are not. So the virtual model, and especially something like we have what we call uh, multi-point VR, which basically mimics a Matterport experience through uh, the use of a computer-generated home so that I can sit alongside a Matterport, they've gone through the roof. I'm just really surprised at that adoption and how it's continuing post-pandemic. Uh, you talk about the market shift. Again, when, when the market's hot, generally you don't need a whole lot of marketing tools, right? But when it slows down, you really need to pour back into the marketing. And we're seeing that adoption as well. So it's been a bit of a perfect storm for, for Focus 360 over the last few years in terms of our growth, which has allowed us to invest more money into new product development and refinement. And it's it, it's been, I, I tell people this all the time, we're, we're a 32-year-old startup. You know, we, <laughs> we have the mentality and always ha- have had the mentality that we're a startup business because our technology changes so quickly. So it, as I said earlier, it's it's both a good and bad, yeah. but I embrace it. I love it. I love the challenge. Uh, I love the people I get to work with and the talent I get to work with uh, each day. I love all the findings that come from this too, or or just, I'm not sure how all these things come up on your end, but I, I saw an interesting use of your tool. I think it was at the Builder 100 conference, mm-hmm. but even just the concept of, hey, remove all the furniture from this virtual model, which sounds like something like, why in the world would you do that? <laughs> yeah. But that's-, but that's an option that that someone was displaying. And honestly, there's a lot of people that would be helpful to. Yeah, I think it surprises a lot of people to see what a, a home looks like without the furnishings. Uh, you see... Which one you know, One that also means your rendering work better be darn good because if it looks like a cartoon and you take away the furniture... It looks worse. <laughs> yeah, it's not <laughs> going right. to be helping anyone. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And, and ironically, when I first started this business, we couldn't do furniture. It was The, the computers couldn't handle the, the calculations of a, a complex object, an organic object, like a, like a sofa or a pillow. So the, all the rooms were unfurnished back in the day. So when we uh, launched Pivot VR earlier this year, that was kind of a return to a full circle return to what we had done back in the day. So literally at the click of a button, while you're touring, you can turn furniture off and on and you can do it on a phone. The, te- the technology is such that the way we've developed it, that it's mobile friendly. You can literally do these Pivot VR tours where you're turning furnishings off, you're, you're changing wall uh, options, you're changing finish options all through through the use of a mobile device. That's um, so good. And I think curation yeah. is going to continue to play a bigger role. I'm curious your take because um, a lot of companies focused around physical furniture in mm-hmm. model homes and connections to storefronts and um, all, all that stuff. And I, I just feel like, again, I've, I've heard and talked to a lot of people who are around this. No one's really um, delivered it at, at scale. Right. But you can imagine a day very soon where the first time someone interacts with a gallery or an interactive piece like that, you're going to tell the system, I prefer modern, the modern aesthetic. 
And then yeah. every image I see forever on that builder or developer site is going to be modern unless I choose to say, eh, I'm feeling like country today or whatever. Yep. A little bit country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the beauty of the real-time systems that uh, we're also developing is that if you fast forward five years, everything's going to be customizable, not just the structural options or the finish options. Um, you're right. I'll, I'll be able to change the thematic story of the interiors as I'm touring the home. I'll be able to change the colors of the furniture that's sitting in the home, maybe to match what I already have at my house. Yeah. Um, I'll be able to, uh, once I move in, still have this virtual model live alongside as my 3D library with my warmth information and stuff, right? Oh, that, yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I still, the last two houses that I've built, I've made sure to get Matterport tours of the home in framing. But the yep. technology exists to even combine those things, you know, uh, to go back and forth from rendering to, to real and, and back again. hundred percent. I mean, the as-builts can be right part of that virtual model home where you can peel the wall back to see where those studs are, the plumbing lines. So you don't put a, you know, picture nail through a, through a water line and uh -huh. all those, all those things. It's all doable now. Um, the problem right now is that it, it, to have that much data in a virtual, a real-time virtual model is you have to compromise on the real, realism of that model. Sure. Um, and Focus 360 as a brand, we just don't we refuse to put something that's not realistic out there yet. Yeah. Um, but we're close. I mean, we're within. We're, we're Again, within. technically you could, the experience wouldn't be worth it. And I think that's also, exactly. you can push the envelope internally and that doesn't mean you have to deliver a crappy experience to the end user just because exactly. you want to show what could be done. Well, let's, let's wait okay. until, you know, exactly. I, I always remember the first iPad um, did not include Siri functionality. Yep. And that was yep. specifically because at the time it didn't have any data on board to make mm -hmm. that work. It had to be connected to the internet. And there was, when the iPad was first came out, it didn't have a cellular option. And yep. so the amount of time that you might not be connected to Wi-Fi, well, why, why release that to that tool when it wasn't ready yet? And I think- That's exactly again, right. Yeah, there's a quote <laughs> from Guy Kawasaki, one of the original Apple employees. And, and I, I read it in his book, and I never forgot it, which was, uh, and, and people that are in software development will really re relate to this, uh, version one means never having to say you're sorry. So version one is get something out there that works and it works well, um, but it doesn't have to be feature rich. It just needs to lay the foundation for the future. That's what version one is. Um, so as you build upon that version one, then you'll start layering in features like a Siri or um, things like the fingerprint uh, launch. And then ultimately, you know, um, using your face to, to, to unlock your, your iPad. And, and now it's even running their normal Mac OS. So yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's progression. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Last kind of big picture question is what do you think would have been different? This is a hard one, by the way, <laughs> saved it, saved it for last. What do you think would have been different in 2008 and 2009? If all these tools would have existed back then, are we kind of experiencing a similar approach to adopting this technology because we had to that you think that would have happened in 0809 in the same way or no if you're trying to frame it to where if the technology existed in 08 yeah would, would the great recession still have happened yeah of course or, yeah. or, or what builders approach <laughs> of yeah it, that yeah that part would still happen the, the, the loans were still bad the loans were still but bad. in terms of how builders clawed their way out of it how do you think they would have applied those tools that might have changed kind of but oh my goodness well as, as an industry and i think everyone knows this we're, we're very slow to adopt 
very slow to adopt, hence our 32-year-old startup, right, of Focus 360. However, once one builder does it, the other builders that see them also want to do it. So the adoption begins to spiral up, which is yep. great. Yep. Uh, so th for things to have been adopted a lot quicker back in 08, for example, <clears throat> a, obviously the computer horsepower would have been 100x of what it was then. Right to get to where we're at today, yep. which means that the artistry would have had been elevated as well. It would have been an interesting protraction um, to imagine how that could have you know, played out. I didn't know you back then, but if I did, and, and the technology existed even on your end to do some of what you're doing now, because where I was at the time at Heartland, we were a mostly build to contract builder. Okay, um, we had some inventory, but not very much. Right. And we were always designing new floor plans. And I think this idea of rapidly prototyping almost like a, a Kickstarter or a Shein or a pop-up store was like, here's five new designs for September and here's the imagery for them. And if enough people want to buy mm -hmm. style number four, we'll offer it yeah. uh, for sale. I think no, some no. of that stuff would have been really interesting to get market feedback faster 100%. and to prototype even at just the scale of only a rendering versus, you know, at the time back then, prototypes, gosh, it could take you a year to prototype something and actually build one version of it and, and get where you needed to go. Well, I remember in, in 08, there were builders, the, the publics that had giant warehouses that were building in their homes right? inside yep. the warehouse to do exactly that, focus yep. group and zones. Today, we're working with uh, a couple builders that are prototyping their homes virtually. So we're doing our multi-point VR of the entire home, uh, unfurnished, uh, so their teams can walk through these designs and decide what needs to get nipped and tucked before they actually build. And um, if you can imagine, you know, today's modern framing walk, when the framing's up and the whole team goes out there to, to pick apart uh, and how we can improve a, an existing home, if you can do that prior to construction, um, you save a lot of time and a lot of money. And so that is happening already. And I'm sure it happens a lot at the at the public scale internally. They use mm -hmm. similar technologies to what we do. And a lot of architects are using the same technologies that we use for our marketing imagery to do these types of pre-framing walks. But yeah. I think it becomes needs to become more prevalent. It just saves more time. And then that uh the base, at least for our clients, that base that we created for that framing walk is now um parlayed into the marketing content and into the pivot VRs and into the multi-points and into the videos that we produce for their websites um and, and even our we're, we're now delivering social media content for our builders uh under the the name of director's cut so they have a 30 second snippet ready to rock and roll and place right into their their social feed so yeah there it, it, again there's it gets snowballed there's so many different yeah. things you can do with it the, the key is always to find what works well and what's efficient for our builders so they're not wasting their time or their money yeah yep and i think you're Right along with your quality, the customer service at Focus360 has always been top-notch. So we'll we'll definitely have a link in the show notes. You need to go check out all this stuff with your with your eyes, because um, I'm not going to do a good enough job describing it all to you. <laughs> but Steve, also, if you'd give a shout out to, as your company continues to expand, you've got different individuals that specialize in different geographical regions of the country. So if you don't mind just giving a shout out, so everyone might say, oh, I, I know that person. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. So here in the Southwest, we have Michael Colwell uh, and Michael is our director of sales for the for the Southwest. Um, in the Central and Northwest, we have Bevan Curtis 
Uh, you guys yep, might a name that her. many people know. Yeah. Yep, yep. She's been around the new home sales arena for a number of years and comes from great lineage from her father, also being in the industry. And we recently hired a gentleman in Atlanta that we'll be announcing soon for representing us on the East Coast. Uh, so I'll be excited to announce him once he's gotten through our training. We have a pretty intense training program for our new sales team to ensure they truly understand not just our business, but the home builders and how we can best help them out. So yeah, lots of great things happening. We also have uh, Jennifer Cooper and Christy Ormondi who are on our marketing team. And uh, yeah, and then a bunch of other people behind them supporting them. Yeah, a ton of smart people. Well, Steve, thanks so much for stopping by. And I look forward to seeing several of your team members at the summit next week. This episode will probably come out after that, but excited to see some of them in person and excellent. more of your work to come. Well, wonderful, Kevin. Again, thank you for making the time to allow me to uh, share something, some things about Focus 360 with your listeners. Absolutely. Marketproof Marketing is proudly supported by Opendoor. Visit opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn how you can partner with Opendoor to increase certainty, speed, and ease for your home buyers. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peek, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. View hundreds of articles, videos, and more for free at doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on social networks or in real life. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.